Welcome to the Start, Scale, Succeed podcast with me, your host, Nicole Higgins, the Buy and Retail Coach, sharing tips, advice, and insight from entrepreneurs that have just launched to multi-million pound business owners. We will be discussing the challenges they faced, advice they would give, and the milestones they achieved and how they got there. Also joining me will be a broad range of experts with some tips and practical how-tos, episodes that will help your business grow and to enable you to live the life you crave. The types of experts that you'll hear from will be those that you will find beneficial as you start and scale your business, from branding and social media experts to mindset coaches and PR marketing. There will also be solo episodes from me discussing a variety of topics from sourcing to maximizing the profit in your business. Welcome to Start, Scale, Succeed. I am joined by Fiona Manette from Bossy PR. Fiona is an award-winning expert and coach who helps female entrepreneurs do their own PR and make it accessible and affordable and effective for every business, no matter what size you are. I first met Fiona when she was a guest speaker at an event I attended, and I loved her logical approach to PR that was jargon-free and made it very easy to understand and, like I said previously, accessible to you. So we're going to talk through quite a few different things about PR and hopefully cover all those questions that you have about PR. So Fiona, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. (laughs) Now, when people think about PR, people often think about it in the very, very specific sense about getting your name and your business in print or online. But it's not, it's much broader than that, isn't it? Can you go through that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, PR PR stands for public relations and it really is all about communication. So if you are on social media, if you are sending newsletters, if you are interacting with your clients, customers, peers, you are kind of already doing your own PR. So it's it covers everything from getting into the media, from going onto podcasts like this, from speaking at events to networking to, um, like I said, email marketing to showing up on social media to wherever you put out content or wherever you are able to share your messaging or your voice. So it's it's incredibly broad, and most people don't realise that they are actually already tackling elements of their own PR just by showing up on social media, for example. And if you're a product business, what type of PR usually generates the best results? So that's product for product businesses, it's really interesting because the default and the like the bread and butter activity will be product placement. So it will be you open any kind of magazine, let's take a lifestyle magazine like Red, for example, and you will see pages full of product, of cutout images that are, you know, maybe the journalists are picking their 10 best, um, you know, pink themed objects or the best coats for this season. And that kind of product placement is great. You will find quite often that it does convert to sales but sometimes the most powerful coverage and the most powerful type of results even for a product business is when you are sharing more about yourself or sharing more about your business so uh, for example I worked with a company they were reupholstering and kind of repurposing uh, vintage furniture and we did a lot of product placement in the interiors magazines like Grand Designs, Deck, Ideal Home, Living, etc., in the Sunday supplements. And yes, they'd, set, they'd sell product as a result, but sometimes the most powerful and impactful in terms of converting to sales would be where the founder was being interviewed, mm-hmm. was being profiled as a business owner or as a creative. So it's 
yes, product PR, product placement is bread and butter, but don't neglect telling the story of you, your product and your, your business. And what kind of angles could people take with their story? It could be anything. So um, it could be, I mean, a couple that I've worked on over the years have been that brands have been producing in Britain or brought manufacturing back to Britain for a certain product that they have been using Instagram. This is this is more commonplace now, but in the earlier days of Instagram, that they were using Instagram as a sales channel and building their success that way. It could be that you have gone from corporate life to mm-hmm. learning a craft to then setting up a business and maybe that's your your story is then your angle or it could be that you look at a regional pocket of media and tell your story as someone that's maybe grown up in the area or started the business in the area and you are collaborating with other businesses or other um, experts in the region and it, you can Basically, you can you can find a story strand or a story hook anywhere. It's just a case of then having, I guess, confidence and conviction with it and saying, okay, well, I think this might be interesting. So let's give it a go. But also seeing what's happening in the wider world is what are the broader conversations yeah. in your industry? What are the trends that are happening? What are people looking for in terms of expertise or in terms of product and being able to position yourself as part of those conversations. And I like, I've heard you speak before and you've used your, your so what test. Yes. Talk me through that. Uh, the so what test is, is one of my favorite things to talk about because it's so <laughs> simple. It is, and actually I've heard, I have heard it used in, in other respects as well when it comes to being critical about your ideas and uh, you know, you might, you might have ideas every day and you think, oh, could this be a business? Could this, you know, yeah. could this be a product? Could this be worth exploring? But you have to be critical about it. You know, not everything is a great idea and is something going to pass the test in terms of what are you offering? Are you offering something different? And just doing something as simple as asking yourself, so what? It helps you to sort of peel back the layers and and actually get to the core of something so if we're talking about finding your story and and sharing that through the media what is your story and you've just got to keep asking yourself so it might be I produce this product okay is that enough I don't know well I trained as this and I worked for 20 years doing this and okay we're getting a little bit more intricate here what was the catalyst for you training or retraining? Okay, we're getting a bit deeper. So it's just to ask yourself, so what? So that you are finding the most interesting and appealing Mm -hmm. aspect of your story. Absolutely. I think it allows you to hone down and like you say, you peel back the layers, but also extend, you're peeling back the layers, but also you're extending the story or you're making it, you're making it more interesting and, and it's a bit more specific then as well in terms of what the points are that and then you can look at the different angles and that you can talk about and, and all that kind of thing. And um, so we've talked about, you know, wh- why it's a, you know, beneficial for a product business to also be focusing on their, their personal profiles. Um, what, when people are thinking about PR, what are the things that they should have in their armory before they um, reach out to journalists and yeah, so media? There's a, there's a few key things. And I talk about it in terms of building your PR toolkit. And 
a toolkit can have many, many elements, but I would say the absolute foundations are content. So having, having value to put out, whether that's in educating on your product or your service or your offer, whether that is in sharing your, your expertise or your insight, content, imagery, and that will be images of your product or your offer, but also images of you. As we said, building your personal profile is just as important as promoting the product or, or building your brand profile is just as important as promoting the product. And a kind of own space, so a website or, you know, social media is great as well, but, but preferably a proper fully functioning website because what happens is that if a magazine is going to include you or your product they want to know they've got trust with their readers they want to know that their readers can go online and access that product so they don't want to be misleading or or giving incorrect information to their readers it's it's their integrity at stake so if you have at the bare minimum a functioning website content imagery then you are essentially going to be ready to go and there's other elements that come into the toolkit uh, if you're product-based samples and Mm -hmm. samples that you might want to send for photo shoots or for review Um, a lookbook again if you're product-based and you want to showcase your collections then a lookbook can come into play so there are other elements of the toolkit but I I would say content imagery and and a website are the starting points. And you mentioned there on samples, and I, what I want to think about is, so if you're a product business, you don't want to get samples of absolutely everything, you know, extra samples of everything for press. Yeah. So when you're deciding what are your hero pieces that you are going to send to press, what do press normally look for in the products? And I know it might be very different because like you say, they could have a pink theme one day, so they're looking for everything pink. But how should product businesses decide on what their hero pieces are? Yeah, I think to to look forward to what trends are coming mm-hmm. is key. And with the media, they they recycle content or they recycle themes um, quite often. So coming up to summer, whether it's interiors, fashion, beauty, they will they will be doing colourful, um, you know, flamingos, pineapples, yeah. like beachy themes, um, florals, colour pops, yeah. Um, autumn winter they'll do more sort of luxe indulgent maybe velvets like textures um, gem tones um, victoriana florals yeah um, so you'll find those themes but also what is what is coming through on on the catwalks and what might dictate them consumer habits and things like the pantone color of the year which has obviously recently been released as i think it's very peri for this year so it's that kind of lavender periwinkle hue and <clears throat> sorry and and looking forward to what is coming up in that in that sense if you can hang any of your products on any of those kind of you know anticipated themes then you are likely to be hitting the mark in terms of what journalists are looking for or working on when it comes to their product roundups so you'll have your favorites you'll have your what you think are going to be best sellers but just think about what that wider trend conversation might be in terms of the kind of stories that the journalists will be working on and just a note for people that are listening about if you are proposing things to journalists and they're your hero pieces 
make sure you have enough quantity behind those because you don't want to lose the opportunity or lose the, um, you know, obviously every press is, is, is any press is good press. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you've got something and it's an out of stock item, you've just driven loads of people to your website and they're then disappointed. Yes, they might find something else, but, you know, it's making sure that if you are, you know, pushing pieces to PR that you have the quantities behind them or can at least get back into the quantities behind them if you, you know, if it's featured. Yes. Yeah. That you can at least set up a a pre-order or something to say that we're going to have stock coming soon. So hang tight rather than, oh, this is discontinued. Sorry. And if you are a a business that is launching, what are the timelines of when you should approach media? Yeah. So, and whether whether that's you're launching, sorry, whether that's launching your new business or a new product, what's what's the timelines? So timelines in the media, it breaks down really into two camps. So you've got long lead, which are your monthly magazines, which will work three to six months in advance. So things like Vogue, Red, Harper's, um, Elle will be working, let's say July, they will start Christmas content. Um, In Christmas, New Year time, they will be working on high summer. So if you are wanting to get a launch or a new collection into the pages of those magazines, you need to be you need to be thinking about it six months in advance. So in doing that, you will need to have your imagery ready, your product information ready, you know, the blurb to pitch with and some samples handy should you be asked to send anything for shooting or, or review. So six months is the maximum timeline for long lead. And then you've got your short lead, which will be your weekly magazines and supplement media with the newspapers. So um, Sunday Times Style, the Telegraph magazine, they will work two to 12 weeks in advance. So depending, you know, some stories they might put to bed three months in advance. Some stories they may be working on, you know, two to three weeks ahead of publication. Mm-hmm. So that's your time frame there. So you might say, well, I'm launching in a few months. I know long leads are out of my reach to make the initial launch impact. So let's go to the short lead. So those are your options in terms of timelines. So as long as you've got, as I said, the imagery mm-hmm. and the information and access to some samples, then you are able to start getting out to press. Your website doesn't have to be live as long as the publication dates that you're aiming for will fall once your website is live. And so it's basically, it's just short lead and long lead. They're the two. Yes. And and I guess online can be, online and daily newspapers, probably more immediate. Instant, yeah. Um, yeah. So I would say short lead immediate um, for, for, for online because things can, things can happen. Things can turn around within a couple of hours when you're dealing with, with online uh, websites. But that said, if things aren't time sensitive or very of the moment then they can sit on the back burner for for online so and for people to sorry and for people to really keep an eye on things like twitter with journal request yes and the facebook group lightbulb which we um which if people don't know about that i've mentioned it before in probably quite a few podcasts um but yeah if you're a product business um or an entrepreneur you should definitely um sign up to that it's a facebook group called Lightbulb. um but journal request is also very good and really accessible and very instant isn't it yes absolutely 
I mean, Twitter is where journalists live in terms of their online presence. And the hashtag journey request is what they use to look for opportunities. So they might look for someone to interview, someone to share a comment on something. They might look for products. Uh, they will put a tweet out using the hashtag journey request asking for what they need and sharing the details so that you can get in touch with them. So anyone can respond to a journey request on Twitter and it's, it's free and there's some really high octane uh, opportunities that, that sit in that space as well. And if you want to target journalists in print or, or online, how do you go about finding the right journalists to approach? So it starts with the, with the platform. So with a platform online or with a magazine, in real life, you know, if there is a target that you want to aim for, whether that's regional, national, weekly, monthly, pick up that magazine or go onto that platform, see what content is in there, who is writing that content. So it might be Flossie Saunders is putting together product pages at the Sunday Times style. So we know, okay, if we've got something along a summary theme, then Flossie might be the person for us to pitch it to. So then we've got the name, then we get an idea of what she's writing. We can then see if she's on Twitter, where we might be able to interact with her. We can see if her details are in the front of the magazine as a contributor. And that gives us a starting point. It's a very granular starting point because, you know, I'm not advocating people go and spend hundreds of pounds accessing a PR database. It's Mm -hmm cherry pick because no one's got the time to send 100 emails so if you are saying right on my target list are the regional lifestyle magazine uh women and home good housekeeping and prima four magazines a maximum of of eight to ten potential contacts you cherry pick who to get in touch with and and you do the work on that very granular basis and start to build well, you know, as, as much as possible, start to build connections and, and relationships and follow these people on social media, just start interacting with them. So Twitter is where you are kind of allowed, shall we say, to, to interact with them on uh, a sort of a, a work basis, mm-hmm. but follow them on Instagram as well and comment and engage, yeah. and, you know, give feedback or, you know, they might be wearing an outfit you like and comment on it, or they might be going somewhere that you're familiar with comment on it, ask them questions, respond to any questions they ask, just kind of get yourself in their space. Yeah. Yeah. Be visible so that there's an element of subconscious recognition when it comes to you then making a pitch and emailing them or approaching them on Twitter. So just build up that, that element of recognition. So I know you advocate very much DIY PR, but for some businesses, they may need to progress to hire an agency or working with a PR consultant to do it for them. When would you say a business needs to look at that or could possibly look at that? Um, I would say the difference is that DIY PR, you don't really need a budget, aside from maybe investing in some training or investing in a membership to give you that support. It's a very, very low cost activity when it comes to working with a PR consultant, freelance PR, PR agency, then you have budgets to, you know, to find from somewhere. So you need to be at the stage where you have the right cash flow, where you can spend £500 upwards for a freelancer or £1,500 upwards for a PR agency, where you can spend that month on month to you know, get that activity really, really moving for you. And 
in terms of the two together, I don't think there's necessarily a huge amount more that a PR agency can do that you won't be able to do yourself. Mm-hmm. It's just a case of time. Have you got the time and energy to do it? No, possibly not. Do you have the cash to pay someone else to do it? Yes. Okay. Then you're ready to, to outsource it. And, you know, when it comes to outsourcing it, it's about finding finding someone that you think can I guess show synergy with you and your brand and speak your brand voice because that's one of the powers of of DIY PR is you are sharing your own story and and who best to talk about your brand than you so you need if you're outsourcing it you need to find someone that really understands you or, or works to understand you and how you want to 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 come across in 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 your PR activity and what are the questions that you should be asking an agency and how can you monitor the return on your investment if you work with an agency yeah so return on investment is notoriously tricky in PR terms um, there used to be a measurement system called the advertising value equivalent, where it would be like, what are the column inches? You know, what yeah. size on the page have we got? How much would we have had to spend on that if we were advertising? It all kind of defeats the point because you're not spending that money. You wouldn't yeah. have that money. Um, and um, yeah, so it's, it's very, it's very tricky to measure. And it's quite tricky to, to track what directly results in web traffic increases or sales increases for you but I think the key thing is to make sure that any PR agency or or PR practitioner is is doing the outreach is starting those conversations is putting your brand out there into places where you might be seen where the opportunity might be and I think in terms of questions that you that you want to ask is what what other brands do they work with? Are they working in your industry? Do they have contacts in your industry? So if you are in the beauty sector, what are their health and beauty credentials in terms of who they work with client-wise, but also who are they dealing with in the media on, mm-hmm. a, on a day-to-day basis? What are their contacts like? How do they work? What's the process? What is your upfront commitment in terms of samples? for example so you might find that with some agencies they like to do a lot of gifting to kickstart the product PR drive and as such they want 100 samples well you need to know before you sign anything before you go in further into those talks what the parameters are and what is needed from you when it comes to working with them and and also for them to set the the parameters in terms of what you can expect from them, but also what they will need to expect from you in terms of information, supply of images, access to samples, you being responsive, you know, getting back mm-hmm. to them and, and responding to opportunities. So so there's quite a lot to consider, but then all of these elements come down to synergy and how open and honest that conversation and that dialogue between you and your agency can really be. Thank you very much for that. Um if you are a business and you have a blank page and you're sitting down to, to decide, right, what's my PR strategy going to be? Yeah. Where should they start with that? I would say start small. 
Um, so you do not have to take on and take over the world right from day one. And, you know, even the phrase PR strategy can be quite overwhelming. You're like, mm-hmm. well, what is that supposed to look like? What am I supposed yeah. to include in that? But if you start small, then I would always say start either regionally. So start with your local media, maybe local radio, local newspapers, local bloggers. Is Just start having those conversations or start within your network. So start networking mm-hmm. um, from, from day one. But also within your network is, is who, who in your network has a blog that you might be able to contribute to? Who in your network maybe sort of does a bit of speaking or has a podcast that you might be able to guest on. So you've got your regional hub and then you've got your your network, your peer group. And just start small, having those conversations, looking at where the opportunity is, build your confidence and get something behind you in terms of a few results, maybe a little interview in the local paper or a news update on a local blog or a new product review by a local blogger build up that cachet and that confidence to then go a little bit bigger so I would say if you are looking to get started on PR frame your first one to two months as that kind of activity and then start to broaden your remit and if you know you've been doing PR and it started to plateau how can you get it going again and it does. It does start to plateau. Like the thing you'll find with PR is that once you get started, it can snowball and one opportunity leads to others and, and it just feels like yeah. it's kind of really escalating. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it can happen quite quickly. But also once you've had that momentum or even without that momentum, you can find yourself hitting hitting a lull where you're putting a lot out and you're, God, no one's biting. Like, I'm not getting results. And it could be for any number of reasons. But the thing to do is to take it back for a moment and think about a few things is, is my story strong enough? Have I really done the so what test? Is my product offer strong enough or unique enough? Am I getting that cut through? in terms of what my competitors are sending, am I standing out from them? What is happening in the media world that is maybe causing a a, a lull in activity for me? Are are their attentions diverted elsewhere? But then also think, right, okay, so this isn't working for me. So typically it might be that the media has gone quiet. Where else can I go? So get more focused on other areas. Can you do a bit of speaking? Can you put yourself forward to speak at a trade show? Can you put yourself forward to deliver a session into a membership or um, or to a networking event? Can you look at doing a round of podcast interviews? Just approach podcasts that you listen to. Hi, are you looking for interviewees at the moment? This is the value I can share. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'd, I'd love to I'd love to share with your audience. Can you look at ramping up your email marketing? Can you look at being more present on social media, maybe starting an IGTV interview series? Maybe you start your own podcast. Look at other avenues that are as equally as valid as the media to continue amplifying your voice. You might dabble with a bit of influencer stuff. You might look at working with some celebrities just explore those those wider avenues of, of visibility to just and and those are quite often more within your control because yeah. with the media you've got the journalist who is the first you know barrier is do they find it interesting even if they find it interesting does the editor find it interesting and even then 
a product goes on the page or a story goes in, in, the, in the pages of the magazine, does the art editor find that product image appealing? You know, does the layout editor think it works on the page? So you've got all these barriers to go past that you're not even really aware of that are kind of going against you to some extent. Whereas if you are approaching podcasts or you're approaching speaking opportunities, yes, not everything is going to fall for you, but it's more within your control to make things happen. Yeah, to push forward, push the needle forward all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And that positivity will give you that confidence boost. It's a bit of momentum. Yeah, okay. And, and it just refreshes and, and kind of reboots you. So be creative. Don't be afraid to ask for opportunities or think outside the box. One of my favorite <laughs> cliches. And um, it's really important that when you do get PR, that you share the life out of it on oh all of your gosh, all yes. of your platforms, your Instagram, your LinkedIn. You know, if, you, if you're on LinkedIn, if you're not on LinkedIn as a product business, be, go on LinkedIn, be yep. set up a profile. Um, but, you're, you know, your LinkedIn, your Instagram, your, your Twitter, like you say as well, if journalists are on there, then that's a great thing that you can, you know, shout out because they're like, oh, they are interested in that story or that might be something that we're going to do later on or whatever. And, um, and use it in your email marketing as well, because it's that. And I know PR isn't authentic opinion as such in terms of it's not like user-generated content and someone has yeah. bought it in a review, but it's very, it is still very much adding a kudos to yes. your business, you as a business owner, your product. So definitely, absolutely share it. And for people to, for people to catch those times when they've been mentioned in PR, make sure you sign up for um, Google Alerts. Yes. Um, as a yes. business, it's free to do really, really quick. Take you a couple of minutes so that anytime your name or your business gets mentioned, you'll get an alert from Google to say what it's been mentioned in. And then obviously you can go on and um, and advertise or promote the life out of it in your in your normal in your own yeah, social channels. Absolutely. As well. like, I always say that the the PR win is just the start. You know, there's so much leverage that you can get out of sharing it. And you're, you're spot on in terms of Google Alerts to pick up these things and in terms of sharing it. And yes, it's not user-generated content, but you know, advertising, you are telling people that you're great. PR is other people doing that job for you. So it's it's there is an element of recommendation or endorsement. And the thing with, with leveraging those results is, yes, share them everywhere, talk about them, like celebrate them and, and in incorporating it into your email marketing as well, if you, you know, works particularly well, works whether you're a product or service business, but celebrate those big wins by sharing something with your email subscribers, share a VIP discount or, you know, mm, a celebrate yeah. with me, you know, to celebrate with me, I'm offering 10% off my, you know, one-to-one calls or to celebrate, I'm offering a free gift with purchase if you buy now or I'm offering this discount is that you can actually, you're not only you're leveraging your coverage and you're showing proof of how brilliant you and your business are, but you're also incentivizing to purchase those people that are already interested in your brand. You're giving them a reason to get involved and celebrate with you. So there is so much like the, you know, PR your PR, like the job doesn't yeah. stop once you've got that placement in a magazine or once you've got that, um, you know, guest slot on a podcast is there's much more 
to do beyond that point. And I think as well, keeping the, um, adding it to your website, once you've generated enough that can kind of go on a page, um, keeping it as highlights in your story so that you can reshare every now and again, if you're doing certain offers on that product or you want to shout about it. And another thing, actually, I think what Google Alerts is good for is, um, you know, earlier on, you were talking about what's going on in your space. So in your product category. So if you, you can tag, so say you are a subscription box, um, business you can tag the phrase subscription box so you can see what's going on and what's being written about and who's writing it in your field so you can rec- you can see the journalist you can see what they're writing about and maybe they might not do another thing again but it doesn't mean that you can't approach another journalist and say you know we do xyz or you know what I mean that you can yeah. use it I've yeah. completely messed that up there <laughs> but you can use it to to get the information that you've said before in terms of what's happening with trend you yeah. know you could put Google Analytics and just say Christmas 2022 trends. So anytime yes. something comes up with that, you can see what's being written about. You're like, do I fit into that? Yes, I do. Right. That can be my hook for my pitch to a journalist or whatever it might be. Yeah. And as those as those things evolve, as, as news comes through or trends come through on key industry terms is if you've got experience of retailing in that sector or retailing in this period or um, you know, expertise to add to this conversation piece is if anything comes through on Google Alerts that is interesting or relevant, jump onto the hashtag journal request as we were talking about earlier on Twitter because if something is happening in the news or as a trend, chances are that there is conversation or hubbub or opportunities coming through on that hashtag that will jump onto or piggyback yeah. on on this this discussion or, or these topics. So it's great as a way of not only, as we say, catching your results, but also giving you a kind of a, a, a heads up on what conversations and, and topics you may then be able to get involved in as well. Great. Well, thank you very much, Fiona. I think we've covered a lot there. And if people, where can people find you? So I am I'm on Instagram all the time at what's your PR and at the PR spotlight. So you can you can find me on there, DM me, ask me any questions. And um, yeah, thank you for having me, Nicole. Thank you very much. If you've enjoyed the podcast, which I'm sure you've ha- you have, I'd love if you could leave a review and I will chat to you again next week. Bye.